We're back, everybody. We are back for Out of Your League. This feels this feels like a big moment. Monumental. We're all back together. It Monu feels like we've monumental or, mo or monumentous. Monumentous. Yeah. Um, feels big. It doesn't it. Where have we where have we been all season? Like, you you've been well, you've away. Been, I've been away. You've you, been away. You've been busy, Will. <laughs> Come on, from from the busiest man in town. No, no, you've been real. Where have you been? I've just been away, not busy, where? just Mallorca, just lurking around. You've what? been busy, haven't you? You've you've yeah, been, been very busy. I've been very busy. And every I've time I've been busy, no, I'm actually well. open to offers. I forgot you're on the on the podcast. Yeah. If anyone's interested. But um, you you have been busy is a good word, John, oh, because busy. every time I come back busy, from a beach, busy. you've upset someone else. Oh, dear. And look, <laughs> I know I know you've got it in for Salford. So let's just go back and rewind because people who haven't listened to the podcast over the last four, five, six, seven years, I've forgotten how long we've done yeah, it. Yeah. But what, what is it? Where does this hatred well, come from? Well, no, people didn't understand. This is the misunderstanding. I want to keep this as timeless as possible, bearing no, no, in mind. No, no. So someone could listen to this in 10 yeah, years yeah, and, and you still hate Salford. The, the misunderstanding about Salford is... I was merely having pot shots at Mark via the vehicle of Salford. Mm. Ah. Salford fans haven't yet realised that that yeah. was the it's case. just to belittle Mark's so, career. So it wasn't. It was just. It was. So it was jovial. My, my, one of my clubs. So John thought it'd be funny just to heckle them from the sidelines. It was a smaller yeah. club because it's still smaller. The smallest club we played for. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Did get Oof. to a grand final. Didn't it? I well, Challenge Cup final. Um, lost in both. It's fine. It's lost. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk it's about fine. that. It's fine. Uh, no, it's the taking part that counts. Here's where we would have put the trophies we would have won. Medal for first loser. <laughs> I, um, got look, I want to get to our guest because he's a big, big old guest this week, isn't dog. it? I'm excited about this oh. one. But um, you've been upsetting Paul Rowley. You've upset Joe Burgess, who tried to put you away in a press conference and made everyone what, laugh. What did you say about Joe Burgess? Nothing. He's just defending his team, isn't he? Yeah. Which he would do. And what did he say about you? I don't know. Anyway, well, J John said he had um, Salford had got no backbone and Salford had no minerals, and he came out in the press conference and said yeah, we had all sorts of minerals, and everyone laughed. But then, uh, there's been a few comments, good and bad, yeah, on yeah. Twitter, and I know you like to, to keep up with what's going yeah, on there. Let's I just do it. the good ones, shall we? Yeah, just pick out some good ones. So um, Finn says someone sacked John Wilkin. Uh, FPL Stoop Tiger says, get rid of that arrogant fuck, John Wilkin. I don't think there's a bigger knobhead in rugby league than him. <laughs> Scott says, I bet John Wilkin is belting fun at a party. Um, Kevin says, class A clown, That's John true, Wilkin. Actually. I wonder what That's class true. B clown's like. Class uh, C. He calls you a class A clown. Uh, Joe says, John Wilkin is a spud. Pass it on. Uh, Ange says, John Wilkin, what a prat. Barbara, a lot of women involved in this as well. I like it. John, um, John Wilkin talking shite again, according to Barbara. This mm. one from Chris, who says, uh, where is John Wilkin? Looks like a really right, a right silly sausage now, doesn't he? <laughs> hey, <laughs> and uh, Exiled Northerner says prayers for John Wilkin. And the last one from, uh, from Jumbo says John Wilkin. Jumbo sounds like a great lad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he does sound like a good lad. Do you know where he says Twitter he can stick handle. your minerals? Uh, up his Jumbo. Probably. Up your ass, which is probably a good place <laughs> to put minerals, actually, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. If you did uh, have minerals. In my defence, at the time that comment was made, Salford were not going so well. <laughs> Subsequently, doing all right. Yeah. Do doing you, all right. Just fine on that. Do you have anything to say? Any apologies to make? Or? Not an apology. It's the, 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 can you imagine if you went on telly and had nothing to say mm. and, and didn't have an opinion? Like I'm paid to have an opinion. Sometimes it winds people up, Will. Yeah. And that's fine. Do you believe in it, or is this a Robbie Savage, Roy Keane sort of tactic? No, no, no not at all. What's I, the Robbie I, Savage, actually, Roy Keane? To make up opinions and go point, with it. Oh. At the point, I was asked, could Salford make the top six? And they'd been on a really bad run, and they couldn't defend for Toffee. Got you. And I said, I don't think they've got the backbone or the minerals to do it. Mm. They, they might have proved me wrong. And yeah. if so, well, if they do... You're welcome. Ian Blease, please go back to Twitter 
and and look, <laughs> gladly I'll tell you that you're right. Uh, put There's your no dish- hard feelings. No hard. No, I, there we go. The top line. There isn't, from John there isn't, no there hard feelings. There isn't. It's just I remember walking out of Old Trafford in 2014, and I saw Phil Clark, who'd said something about Saints four weeks before the grand final, right? And so I pulled him on it, and I went, mate, you fucking said this. Said it was fucking out of order, and he pulled me to one side, and he said something quite profound. He went, mate. It's just TV. <laughs> Don't worry about it. What are you worried about? It for? I remember you saying I, I now just, love Phil Clark. No, it's just TV. It's just a game as well. It's just a game and it's just TV. So everybody just calm down. Let's all the 1200 Salford fans relax. Oh, it's nearly an apology. He's just stirred the pot again. Uh, look, put your dishevelled hands together for yeah. one of the greatest human beings to play both codes of rugby. Yes. Welcome to Billy Wiz, the man himself. Mr. Jason Thorpe Robinson. Thorpe. 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 Yeah. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did that when I went Named to Named after the park? <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> you did. You did add that. Was it Thorpe Robinson as like a double barrel or is that the middle name? No, it's not. Well, when I get a bit more richer and famous, I'll, I'll, I will get... Uh, more richer and famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When's that going to happen? Richer and famous. Richer and famous. Robbo, it's so good to have you here, mate. Honestly, I'm, I think this is the most excited I've been doing this podcast. Yeah. Isn't it? What a I, guest. It feels like. And thank you for coming in to see us, mate. It's been it's an lot. absolute pleasure. I enjoyed just listening to that. I think we should just talk <laughs> a little bit more about John. Thank you, yeah. I, I think we'd all enjoy that. Yeah. There's a lot of Wigan fans who'd enjoy that. Yeah, well, one of those comments was, was actually me, so... <laughs> was <laughs> it <laughs> FBL Steve Tiger? Stick the minerals up your ass. Robert, what I love about this is that you've, you know, nothing's off limits and we're going to have a good old chat. And I'd love really for you to just sort of talk as if you haven't told these stories before. A lot of people will know everything about you, but also there'll be a lot of people listening who, you know, bearing in mind we're all old fuckers now, aren't we? That who, who don't really Speak know what happened in the, the early 90s and the mid 90s. But I want to go back right to the beginning, first off. Um, born in mid 70s, fair to say a pretty deprived area of Leeds, Chapel Town, just outside Leeds. What, what was life like for a very young Jason Robinson? Um, I, I suppose in, in many ways, probably like most rugby league players that you know rugby league is played in, in the heartlands quite often quite challenging areas and, and for me it was no different so i mean i i grew up in probably four of the most deprived areas in leeds chapel town heralds beeston hunslet and uh yeah it was it was it was pretty tough you know mum's white scottish um i mean i played for england you know all my all my career but i'm half scottish half jamaican Dad was Jamaican, yeah? Dad was Jamaican. Um, so never knew my father growing up. So I, I was brought up with a white mother, two older white brothers. And uh, yeah, it was, it was quite, uh, I don't know. I, I, there were so many great things about my childhood, but then there were so many challenging things because as a child, you're looking for identity. Where do you fit in? And for me, sort of growing up from a, a young age, well, where do I fit in? You know, kids are saying, well, that can't be your mum. They can't be your brother's. They're white, you're black, and do you know what I mean? So it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was hard, and you and you're sort of trying to find out where, where you fit into the whole thing. And uh, we, yeah, we were skimped. My mum was a cleaner, three jobs, um, up at three a.m., just doing what she could to look after her kids. And you know, I, I mean, my my mum, whilst there was so much chaos at times growing up, my mum was just the rock, like the the ever present for mm-hmm. me, and and taught me so much um, that probably helped me through later life and um, like in my in my professional career because she was just a grafter 
Do you know what I mean? It was simple. She went out. She just did what she needed to do. Mm. She took on a lot of pressure as a as a single parent, and uh, and she had a she had a hard time too. Do you know what I mean? I, I always remember sort of growing up seeing lots of because part of my family were Scottish, big drinkers, so every day there'd be somebody sat on the couch, kind of special brew, drunk. Do you know what I mean? You come down from for school in the morning, your uncle be there, and do you know what I mean? It was, it was one of those where drink played a, a, a big um, big part of, of growing up. Um, you know, family members with drug problems and, and all kinds of stuff. But, but yeah, it was, it, it was pretty tough. And, you know, I think seeing some of those whilst, I mean, I still carry some of the scars of like domestic violence and all that kind of stuff. In, in, in a funny way, it's, it's made me who I am and, and, and more resilient and, mm. and hung. It's given me that hunger to, to be something. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's, I've, had to, I've had to fight. A lot of people have seen what I've done over the years and all the success. But for me, you know, lots of people can be successful, but where, where did you start? You know, what did you start from? You know, how, what, what was the environment that you were in? How, how did it help you? How did it challenge you? How did you, how did you get through it? Because I look back sometimes and think, dearie me, how on earth did I navigate mm. the stuff that I, that I saw that I was around? Um, you know, and, and, and at times, you know, I did. I, I, I struggled and, mm. uh, you know, went off the rails a few times. But uh, So it was, it, was, it was a pretty challenging childhood. But then... Then I found rugby, yeah, and uh, things started to change. There's so many directions I could go after that first answer. I was thinking, uh, that. unbelievable. I mean, and like, you, you, you kind of spot on there when you said it that you're almost, you know, if you are a product of your environment, then bearing in mind everything you've just said and everything that you experienced at a young age, and the career that you went on to have, did you ever feel back then that you would have opportunity in your life? No. You. You've always got opportunity. Sometimes some of those are restricted. You know, even even as a youngster, I never, you know, I never made um, the England team as a, as a youngster. I never played at that level. The highest I ever got was was Yorkshire, was county level. Um, I got so many knockbacks, so many times. I mean, people now that are still in the game said, you know, not directly to me, but said, well, he'll never make it while he's got a hole in his ass. You know, and so many times for me, I, I didn't have any connection. My mum was a cleaner, never knew my father. So, so I didn't have anybody really push me forward or help me on that. Do you know what I mean? With, 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 yeah. with anything. They can, can pick you up after you've been told you're not good enough. Do you, have to, do you have to develop that own fire that you were proving people wrong? Yeah, it's just... It's just There's not I, a path for you, was there, to follow as, as such. You're like scrambling and fighting, but you didn't know like where that was going I suppose you know well, you, 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 you never do and you know I, I you know I you know I tell a story sometimes like just just for me I just think about my, my growing up and the challenges there. I think about school and I always remember just sat in school and and like teachers not because nobody was academic nobody ever you know never nobody went to university or college um, nobody played sport so for me I didn't really have any uh, positive male role models mm. in and around my family where I could say, yeah, I want to be like Uncle John or, do, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I was trying to carve something out of, of nothing and I always remember just sat in school and, 
you know, teachers thinking, well, he's not, he's not engaged, he's not interested, you know, maths and English, and he's not that bothered. And the reality was, it was nothing to do with that. It's like, mm. I'm trying to process, you know, seeing my mum being beaten up at the weekend and the house being smashed up. And Can we just tap, tap into that a little bit? I, I was going <laughs> to, you went there very early and I, I wasn't expecting you to sort of reveal that so quickly, but um, was, was it sort of quite a fearful place to be home then? I mean, you, you said you were witnessing large amounts of drinking and domestic violence, you know, that you're at school. Was, did you prefer being away from home as it were? It, it, it was a mixture. I mean, I, I loved, you know, my, my, my mum sort of was my security. Um, but part of the problem is when you're young is that you can't control any of that. Mm. You've just got to go along with, you, you know, what, what can you do if people are drinking? What can you do if people are fighting? And do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't do anything about it. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... But you'd be watching this. You wouldn't be locked up in your room and this would just be going on in front of you. Yeah, and you know something, you know, it was, it was, it was a common thing mm. in and around where we lived. Drinking, fighting, drugs, mm. you know, people skint and stealing and that's, it's, that's what we did. You know, my, we used to go on day trips when I was younger and, and we used to go, buildings that were getting knocked down, we'd go in there and we'd pull all the wire out, burn it, take all the scrap, go to the scrap yard and, you know, we were taking Chris Sandwich. All my, some of my mates are going on holiday and going abroad and I'm going down the road to a building that's just been knocked down and we're, we're, we're ripping all wire. the wire out yeah. and we're, we're <laughs> taken to the scrapyard, do you know what I mean? It's the harsh realities of life though. You know, yeah. I think sometimes in, in life we, like we view, I think things through the, the lens in which we were brought up, but the harsh realities of life is in areas of this country and in, in deprived areas of this country, that's life, mm. isn't it? Drink, drinking is life, drugs yeah. are life, you know, uh, living in densely populated areas is life. Living with domestic violence around you is life. And, and it's easy to sit back and pretend. And I think often in society, we pretend that these things mm. don't happen. And the important thing is for somebody like Jason to come out and say it, it makes it visceral and real because of how successful he's been. Mm. But the harsh realities of life is that is happening. Yeah. It does happen, doesn't it? Yeah. But, 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 you know, the way, the way people are now... And, and social media and everything else, everybody's got the perfect life. Mm. Yeah. The great thing that I've learned over the years is nobody has. Mm. I used to think all the problems used to be in the council estates until, yeah. you know, I yeah. started going down to Buckingham Palace and, and do, do you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah, you think, yeah. hang on a minute. <laughs> We're all... <laughs> There's some the stuff same. going on. Yeah. It might be a bigger house, the do, same do, problems. Do, do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but, but that's it. And, 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 and one of the keys to this is... Wherever these people, there's problems. That, that's life. Whatever these families, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And, and for me, it was, it was then just, it was just find a vehicle mm. to channel some of that emotion, some of that, that anger. Before you did that, though, because there was, obviously you witnessed a lot of crime. That I know you've said before there were machetes on the streets. There was, was all sorts going on. Then the obvious question to ask is... It was one, one person with a machete. Oh, was it one? Yeah. And machete, it was a, it still, was that's, machete. that's enough machetes on the machete. street. No, not machetes. Machete, not machete. <laughs> no, no, she only had one. Okay. It was a woman. <laughs> she was chopping wood. She only woman. had one. She was only about four foot two, but every now and again, it, used to, it was one of those, because there, there was always something going on in the streets where we lived. Yeah. Right? There was, and it was one of those, if, some, if it kicked off with somebody or somebody in the next street, you, you'd almost like, you wouldn't want to be on the street just in case you got caught up in it. You'd go up to, so my, my, the way my room was, it, I had prime viewing. So we'd, you'd just go up to my room and like just 
kind of peek out the uh, corner of the uh, the window to see what's going on. But yeah. quite often, you know, somebody would be coming down. standard. <laughs> well, yeah, somebody somebody had upset somebody and all of a sudden come down the street. And it was it was this woman, four foot two she was, just wielding a machete, mm. like calling people out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> and then right, there was mini riots and like... It sounds like my mum. sounds like my mum. Not quite the same upbringing that I think Johnny Wilkinson had. And we'll get on to, you know, the, the change in, in rugby union and so on. But... The, the obvious question I want to ask you there is, you said you, we're, we're, gonna, we're sort of moving chronologically into you playing for Hunslet and then obviously yeah. you know, being pied by Leeds and going to Wigan. But how did you not get sucked into this world? I know you've had your dark days and if you will, we'll go there a little bit later. But how did you not get immersed in this, this world of, of crime and drugs and drink and fighting? It's a funny thing, when, when you're in and around it, it's a norm. So it doesn't stand out the same if that's all you ever know. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, we're used to that. It was just, <laughs> just the norm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If you live in a leafy suburb and all of a sudden cars come round screeching and people jump out with knives and guns, like, do you know what I mean? That's mm. real scary stuff. But actually when it happens all the time, then it, it, just, it just becomes the norm. Mm. So for me, again, it was, it was just one of those where... I don't know. I, 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 my, my, my big distraction was was, was rugby. Yeah. I, I just, you know, there were, there were certain things going on in my life, but I, I just, felt, I just got into sport, and it was, it was through, randomly through a school teacher just deciding to set up a, a rugby team. This is Hunslet Boys. No, this, no. this was my, this was my middle school. Okay. So Mr. Aspinall just decided, right, we're, we're starting up a rugby team, and because he was a big fella at the time. We're all scared of him, so we, we decided we were going to do it. And I, was, I mean, I'm only tiny now, but I was, I, I was just a little skinny lad. Yeah. But the great thing about it for me was, you know, I, I, I probably was in, like, all the bottom sets in school. So I, I, I wasn't thick, but I just had a lot of stuff going on in my head. I had a lot of stuff that I had to try and process that I was struggling with. Mm. And that was stuff, you know, home and family life. But when you're, a lot, when you're, when you're in situations like that, people see you differently. People think that you're not interested. People think that you're, you're not smart. And, and you, do you know what I mean? You end up floating around in these groups and bottom of sets and that. And people write you off. Mm-hmm. And, and, all I needed was to find something that I, that I enjoyed, to take my mind off certain things that were happening. And, and, and that's what happened. I did, and all of a sudden I start playing rugby and I started to get pats on the back. And I can't tell you how much that makes a difference. I don't You've care never who had you that are. Before, no? Well, not my, listen, my mum you know, was always there, yeah, yeah. like every step of the way. But not necessarily from a, a, a male role mm. model. So, so for me then it was, I don't, or, or at school. Mm. So all of a sudden now it's like, well done. This, this sounds did. very, very similar. Not that we need to make comparisons, but to Ian Wright's early years as a footballer and, and he, a school teacher was the one that he still thanks to this day for making things happen. I mean, you, you've mentioned Mr. Aspinall, who, who were the, the mentors and uh, particularly the male inspirations and people that, that then helped you. Was this guy, someone you now look back on and think, had he not got me to their sliding doors moments, etc. There's so many. Yeah. And we can all go back and look at, you know, he, he was one of them. He, you know, I look at one of my mates, dad's, 
that used to pick me up to go to training because we didn't have a car um, or not one that could have probably got us to training. It was that bad. But there's so many people that, you know, rain, hail, sleep, whatever, used to come and pick me up, take me to, you know, mm. take me to training. And that, and there's just little things that just keep you going because there's so many reasons quite often not to go. Do you know what I mean? I can't get there. There's so many, there's so many barriers for people like me back in the day. And this is why now I'm so passionate about it because I know that my journey has been, there's been barrier after barrier mm. after barrier. Whether it's you've not got the right kit, you can't get there, you can't afford your subs, you can't afford, do, do you know what I mean? There's so many things, but somehow there's been people that have just made a difference at key key points. So they've knocked those barriers down or helped you just get past barriers. Yeah. There's like key moments in your life where somebody's just took you past or got you around a barrier. Yeah, because I, I have got so many reasons, like so many kids off so many estates, to go mad, mm. to go nuts, to, to, to get into trouble. Do you know what I mean? I had so many, so many excuses I could have used to say, well, this is why I've turned out like this. This is why now I'm in prison. This is why now I smoke you know, pot. Whatever, like so many reasons. But for me, and, and probably my mum was a, a big part in it, but I flipped it on its head and I used all the crap that I saw mm. to fuel my journey. Anger as well? Everything. Yeah. Everything. And this is where, this is where rugby league is yeah. so good. Wow. How good. Because I look at some of the kids <laughs> that are playing rugby league and when that anger is controlled, mm. and that's the great thing about the game is there's a disciplined side to it. And it, and it takes all that rawness and, and, Sometimes you don't need to be the smartest rugby player. You know, give me somebody that'll just throw the body in. Yeah. Passion. And, and do you know what I mean? Yeah, having passion. And he'll be there it. every time. He'll got you back. And give me one of those every day of the week rather than somebody that's had his backside wiped yeah. and actually he's just, he's just coasting. Do you know what I mean? Give me a, give me a somebody gives 100% yeah, yeah. with a, not as much talent. I'd have them every day of the week. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so for me, it's just, it's just using. You know, it's maybe in many ways I've been lucky that I've ha I had that mindset, mm. and I'm not sure really where it came because lots of other, my other mates had probably ended up in prison and taking drugs and everything else. But that's why I think it's so key to get kids in school and get them into sport, and especially mm. the physical sports are the ones that I think make a big difference to kids that are from challenging backgrounds, whether it's rugby league, whether it's boxing, because they need an outlet. Mm -hmm. So they either punch somebody in a ring and do it in a disciplined way, or they'll just change someone in the street. So either give them an option and, <laughs> do you know what I mean, hone yeah. some of those talents. Mm. Otherwise, they'll be shown other ways to use those talents. Do you know what I mean? And, and a lot of them then will be wasted. So for so you at this age, and we're talking what here now, that this boy's school team? 10. 10 years old, yeah. so before Hunslet Boys. Um, and look, it's, it's all well and good, and, and I'm glad we've sort of covered the mindset side of it, and we're definitely gonna tap more into that. But you were also blessed with freakish genetics, maybe not height, <laughs> but went on to become, went to have one of the greatest sidesteps in the history of rugby, putting both codes, um, the pace, you know, everything else that you had. So when, who were the people telling you, and when did you start to believe yourself that actually, I, 
I could do this to a, to a decent level. And I'm talking well before Wigan, but you know, actually then, you know, your mum's always going to back you. But when did you start to think I could do this? Not really sure. I did, there, there was never really a moment where I was just, I was just scrapping away just with everybody else. I didn't, there was other kids that some in, in ways were, were probably better than me. Um, but I know I've, I, yeah, I was just I was just scrapping away. I, I, I don't think there was a time un, until it was maybe I was 15, 16, mm. maybe within a year of signing. Because I, 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 I wanted to play for the Rhinos. Yeah. I was a ball boy there. Like mm-hmm. I remember Gary Schofield, um, his mum, Gene used to um, do the tea and, and, and do the shop at uh, um, Hunslet Parkside. So she used to always talk about Gary and he'd come down. I remember him doing presentations and, you know, it's one of those, I'd love to do that. You know, I've still got pictures of just receiving like medals from him and, and, and being just chuffed to bits. And then, you know, I, I left school. I was one of those 15, left school, no qualifications whatsoever. And, uh, and then I ended up first job cleaning metal. Um, cleaning metal? Yeah. Um, and... Well, I left school, no qualification. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I was always taught is to get a job and to work hard. So it wasn't, okay. I did, I, because of how I left school, I didn't have many options. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was always going to be manual labor, um, but straight out of school, straight into a job. And, th- and that was success mm. for me because I've seen so many people within our family not work. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Just collect, just sitting on the couch and claiming dole and benefits and stuff. So, so that was a big thing. But again, at the, the age of sort of 15, just going in 16, I remember just going for trials and that. And there was players I was competing against, their dads were the scouts and everything else. So cut long story short, didn't get selected. And uh, part of me was gutted because like it was Leeds. That was my, that was yeah. my big dream. And then six months later, despite being... Um, not back um, by Leeds. I signed for Wigan. And, and were you actually a rugby fan at the time? I mean, would you, I know you, you were obviously living in poverty most, you know, in throughout childhood. But would you, would you go to games? Would you watch games? Would you talk about rugby with your mates? Uh, I'd go to games because uh, I'd be a ball boy, so you didn't have to pay. So that was the best way, way getting of getting in. in. Yeah. Well, not the best seats in the house, but closest <laughs> to the action. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, that's partly what inspired me, seeing Gary Schofield, Roy Powell back in the day, yeah. just stood on there, just, just I remember just hearing it singing the songs and, do you know what I mean, Loiners, and it wasn't the Rhinos back in the day. It was, it, it was I don't know, it just, it just felt like this is what, this was my childhood dream. And because and, and, it put the story straight then, I think you kind of have done there, because I've read sort of conflicting things that the Leeds at one stage did offer you something, but you're saying it was, com- it was completely no after a trial, and then years later they went, why the fuck did we miss out on this guy? Well, no, but it was one of those. Uh, there was Gareth Stevens, um, who was I was competing against at, at my age. Because remember, when I started, um, I was a halfback, mm. so I was competing against him, and to be fair, he was, he was a good player. He was a good, good halfback, um, but, you know... For whatever reason, whether it's because he had the contacts, his dad was a scout, and all those kind of things, I didn't, I, I didn't get selected. Um, and you know, I look back now and I think, you know, 
it's not always good to get what you want. Mm. Makes you strive harder, doesn't it? Work harder, I think. Well, no, it's just like sometimes we think we want something. Mm. If I'd have gone to Leeds at that time, I would have won nothing. Yeah. You look at Leeds. Yeah, yeah, look, yeah. At the time I was in rugby league, mm. Leeds won nothing. So I would have won nothing. Mm. So me going to Wigan was actually a blessing in disguise. I didn't realise at the time. Yeah, did it yeah. motivate you more than not getting the opportunity at Leeds to begin with? Following that, did it? Or were you, were you just still on the same? Probably motivated every time I played against Leeds because I just wanted to, like, you know, when, when one of the guys there, one of the guys you used to compete against, used to say, look, you never make it while he's got a hold of his ass. I mean, it's one of those, I don't care who you are, whether it's, you should always want kids to do well, no matter mm -hmm. whether they compete against your own kids. It's, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You should never say stuff like that to put other kids down, do you know what I mean? But yeah. for me, it really didn't matter because like, that was the least of my worries in terms of the challenges I'd been through. You know, some random guy saying, you'll never make it. Well, well let's see, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't a case of trying to prove him wrong. It was ours. I'd got an opportunity, and nobody had ever, nobody had ever gone down the path that I'd gone. So, I, in, in terms of my family, and you know, with sport and that, I, I was a pioneer. And you know, I was, I was a, I was, I was treading on paths that nobody had ever gone before. So I was, I mean, can you imagine, like, one minute you're going helping your mum clean like toilets and poo off kids off you know you look because she used to work in primary schools and that mm. i used to have to go and like right you're cleaning those toilets and cleaning poo off all of a sudden you're on cleaning metal and all that all of a sudden now you you're playing for wigan mm. you know within no time you're in the first team you're it's playing out wembley and, do you know what i mean so <laughs> yeah. to, to fill the gaps in there so how did that happen to to wigan in, in 1991 what were your memories when you first walk in the door at wigan well, I, I used to be so chronically shy, right? I couldn't look anybody in the eye. It was always like, and quite often young, young lads are, but it, it, was, it was a lot bigger than I thought. I mean, imagine that, just one minute you're in Leeds doing that, mm. you've always been in around your mom and, and you've got that stability. The next minute, within the space of a year, I've moved to Wigan. You know, I'm full-time, full-time at 17. Mm. And, you know, all I did was... I was full-time at 17, and that, that's going back to 1991. What, what did Wigan see that Leeds couldn't at that point? Because that interests me. You, know, you talk about somebody else in your way, a bit of cronyism, you know, dad's a scout, or, and all of that. And I, I, just, I just wonder, you know, how big a part that plays in recruitment of young talent, especially kids who are coming from a, you know, an underprivileged background or, or from a tougher background. Um, I've I've had that, whether it's been in my rugby. I know, yeah. as a young black lad, I've had to fight so much harder yeah. than all my white mate, all my white mates. Because I know I've faced so many other things that most of my mates have never faced, mm -hmm. and and a lot of that is around the, the further back you go, around racism and all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you now, you, you know, we've, all, we've, we've, we've been there where you're under massive pressure, playing games, do you know what I mean? You've got, not the world on your shoulder, but you've got a town, you know, the, the hopes of a town on your, or a city on your shoulders. And, and it's huge pressure, you know, to perform and do, you know, 
Then imagine what that's like with half the crowd screaming the most vile, racist remarks. That's another level. Mm. And, you, and you experienced that in your early Wigan another days? Another level. Yeah? And, um, you experienced that in early Wigan days, didn't you? I experienced For it. I experienced it in my in my amateur days. Yeah, no, so of course. What, but so, yeah, but I mean, your your mum your mum couldn't to turn another up. Level. Your mum couldn't turn up to games because it was so bad. But, and but that's the thing. You you, you think of my mum, like proudest punch, first person in the family to ever do anything like significant. Mm. She goes to a game. Even just say there's a ten thousand crowd. She's a white woman sat in the crowd, within no time, and not because. Not because I've done anything. I could understand if I was one of those players that, you know, really riled teams up or mm. went round punching people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it, why. There's a reason for do, it. Do you know what I mean? But I kind of, I was getting it just because I was black. Mm -hmm. Just because I was black. So, so my mum going there, proud as punch, sat there. All of a sudden, half the crowd are now singing the most vile, racist chants. And she's got to sit there. So, so I've got it twofold. One, as a player, I've got to try and keep calm and not jump into the crowd and knock a few people out. And then also, I know my mum's in the crowd mm. and she'll be arguing with people that are probably sat at the side of her, just saying, I mean, can you imagine? You, 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 I, you, I can't imagine. If it's never happened to you, no. you don't. You no. don't realise, no. Robert. How this is in the seventies. This is the nineties. Mm -hmm. But that's that's why I asked the yeah. question. What did we? Get, you, you know, we speak about that about Leeds and about that not happening. And the, you know, maybe race was an issue. Uh, loads of issues that maybe Leeds didn't pick you up. My question is, why did Wigan pick you up? What did Wigan see that that Leeds didn't see? Because that's a huge moment in your life. Probably talent, but they, were, they weren't blinded because no. their kids were involved. Yeah. It's amazing how blind you can get when you've got an ulterior motive. Yeah. Wigan were just looking for talent. Were yeah. they more accepting as a club, do you think? Do you know what I mean? Were they more accepting as a club than maybe Leeds were? So they had to sign a it, young black, black it's, man it's, from a, a rough council estate. They were just after talent, talent the, th the thing is, Leeds, the guy yeah. that was scouting for the, for the kids, um, he, didn't ha he wasn't trying to push his own. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He, his, his job, which every scout should be, go out and find talent. Yeah. I don't care what it looks like, where it comes from, just find it. Yeah. And, and for me, that, that's, that's what I've had all along. Because even now, I get it. Even now, I've just come, up, I've just come off the train and I've just had an incident on the train. And you don't realise how it's still relevant in daily life. It's still, I, I can look back to when I was a kid. I can look to, back to certain things. And then I can look back an hour ago, mm. coming up, being on the train, and somebody thinking I shouldn't be in first class on the, on the, on the train. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And saying certain things that they don't say to other people. And, and, I, and I... Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, but these, these are some of the things that some people face all the time. But that, that's unconscious, Bias. What you experienced in the 90s and, and well before when you were growing up in the 70s and 80s was not unconscious. That was very much aggressive racism. But, but, but some people, that's what brought up in. 
Mm. You know, we, we are a product of, of quite often our environments. And, mm. and if, you know, if, if you're sat on the couch and dad or mum or brother shouting something about somebody on TV, the reality is you, you, you learn behaviours and, 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 and that becomes the norm. And then mm. other people use that and, you know, which is not great, mm. but that's why there's so much work that needs to be done. Um, you know, it's, 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 you know something, it's so interesting because yeah. I, 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 I sit in a really nice position, I think, because my mum's white mm. and my dad's black. So I have no bias whatsoever. But I sit in a position where sometimes, you know, sometimes people don't think I'm black enough. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, then, and it's like some times you think I'm what it's 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 a really it's a really interesting like. It's, you say it's interesting, I and mean, obviously that's now looking at it as a man in his late forties who's on boards of many companies and has been and seen the world. But back then, you would have reacted very differently to it. How did you deal with that as a shy young man going to um, a very successful rugby team with lots of strong personalities? How did you? react to that kind of treatment on the rugby pitch in, in your life? The, the only way, I, I don't know how I, as a young lad, how I got to this thinking, but the only, I, I realized the crowds would just be trying to get under your skin. Okay, so whether you were black, overweight, whatever it is, hair color they would just get stuck do you know what I mean mm. they would find they, the crowd were just looking at ways to get under your skin now some players they could do it within one champ and I realised really early on don't engage with it because the more you as soon as you engage with it they've got you so I the, the way I did it because I remember I was playing alongside Martin Fire. Mm. oh dear boy I got some I got some abuse he used to get it oh like yeah. so, so, so much. Um, but and I, from, I, I and from Wigan fans. Pardon? And from Wigan fans. No, I won't get it from Wigan fans. No, it was no. every other fan, but not. Yeah. And I knew why, partly why we were getting it, because we were really good and we're scoring tries and, and making <laughs> other teams at times look a bit silly. Mm. But, but you, um, yeah, you listed things there. I found that really interesting. You listed things like if you're fat, if you, you know, something like a, it's almost a weakness. Mm. And, and, I find that interesting that the thing that fans would taunt you about is your, your skin colour. Uh, that's the only thing that I ever got taunted about was being but black. That's crazy, mm. isn't it? Don't you think well, we're talking about weaknesses and, and trying to get under somebody's skin? Yeah, I know, but I just think yeah. it's, it's a mental, yeah. but, mental but, situation. But, but again, it's, it's, for me then, it was like, okay, the only way, it's, it's like you go to, a, you go to a, a stadium, you go to a St. Ellen's, you go to one of the, the big rivals, the best way to quiet the crowd is just play well. Play mm. well, yeah. Play well, because they'll get sick. They'll, like, you engage with it, that's, that's me gone then. My, mm. my mind would have like, just been in a battle with the crowd. It was hard enough like, trying to beat St. Ellen's, let mm. alone the crowd. You never beat the crowd. Yeah. Never beat them. But I, I just somehow, I knew it early doors. And, and one of the hardest things for me looking back and this is why my mindset is different. And I like now I'm on the, the non-exec director at Sale. But one of the key things I look back on, I think there was nothing there. There's no support. Like mm. we, me, me and Martin used to come off the games, and we were probably two of the most harmless players 
to ever play the game. Mm. I don't think we ever... Th uh, we might have thrown about three punches between like us. Like said, it's because you were both bloody good. That's and why. Ne but, but never connected. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but at not, not one point that I've ever recalled, did anybody come after the game, you know, one of the senior guys, directors, whatever, and said, look, this is not good enough. They sh you know, you shouldn't have to put up with this. Mm. But nobody understood it. Nobody understood what we were going through. Mm. And then you come off that game and having been abused for 80 minutes, and I don't care who you are, how tough you are, what you've been through, it's, it's, it hurts. Mm. Do you know what I mean? To, 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 to be made like the, the, the focus of, of such like, you know, by all means, Eeyore, you're rubbish, you, do you know what I mean? Blah, de, mm. blah, de, blah, blah, blah. But these are, these are stuff like the game finishes, everybody goes away, but it still sits with yeah. you. You said you experienced that on a, on a train today, obviously, you know, slightly in a different gear, of you, however you want to phrase it. But when did that stop on the pitch for you? Um, when did it stop? Because it did stop, didn't it? It probably it, it, it did stop for me. But it doesn't stop for everybody. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't stop for it. I mean, it's still, it's, it's still there. Yeah. I know it's still there. Um, and in that sense, do you, when you, you know, you're, when you meet people today that you don't know or you're unsure of whatever, is there almost a, not paranoia is the wrong word, but that this is, but they may be not saying it, but they're thinking it still. And is that prevalent? Not, it's, not par it's not paranoia for me. I, listen, I, I, I don't need any, I don't need any, treatment i don't need the red carpet rolling out for me i don't mm. need to be in i'm quite comfortable in my own skin so i don't need to be treated any differently to mm. anybody else but then no, but i mean particularly those thoughts of the way that people used to voice their opinions back then that you think actually this is hasn't really moved on it's just that people don't necessarily they know they're not you know vocally racist these days they just it's it's unconscious racism like that you've experienced today yeah but but it's the same with sexism it's probably the same with Homophobia. There's, there's, there's so many stuff. There's so many things that go on mm. that, unless it directly affects you, well, you know, there's certain things I'm a bit blase. I, I, I don't fully understand, mm. you know. But I, uh, in order to understand, I try and put myself in their shoes. Um, around how how racism affects me, you know, it's like a woman having that knowing going in, going into a People thinking, well, you can't be in a boardroom. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or going into a room and it's just full of men. Mm. Yeah. And then there's full, it's, all, it's, all, it's all the chat of like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's all the sexist chat on. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just more aware of this yeah. because I've been affected by it so long. And the, the great thing about life now is, is, is being able to talk about it. Because how would you ever, how would, if you've never been racially abused, how would you ever understand? Mm. You wouldn't. Do, do, do you know what I mean? It's impossible to understand. But, but the only way to understand, because we've had so many things around taking the knee and everything mm. else like that. And, and, and there's so many thoughts around it, but there's so much ignorance around it. Mm. You know, if, if, if my if mum was being racially abused because she was white, mm. and we were looking to show some solidarity um, <laughs> for my mum or for white people, dear me, I'd be down in a, I'd be down in a heartbeat. Mm. You know, it, it, it just like, just just because I'm supporting, you know, the Amazon rainforest, don't mean to say that I, I don't like any other tree in the world. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, 
we, we, we it's just been over politicized, isn't it? If that's where we're going into the kind of Black Lives Matter stuff. And I know you've talked about this and I've seen your Sky talk about it, particularly after George Floyd. It, the, the, the other, and you know, I've heard many black sportsmen and women say that they, they think it's the right decision not to kneel. I mean, look, us we, three white guys, we're sat here, we, we're there, we've been kneeling because it's, it's all for, it can only be alerting things for a good cause. But I've heard you know, intelligent black sportsmen and women say that they, they think things have to change because the message has lost its power and it's been over-politicized. No, but a lot of, I'd, I'd rather somebody not, you know, I and mean, we're going down another route now, but don't just take it mm. if you don't believe it. Do you mean what what's what what good is that doing? There's no unless you really like unless you really understand it. For me, is sometimes I just need to if somebody's going through it, mm. you know, if you're going through it, for me just to sit down and well tell me mm. why is it important to you? Do you mean that's exactly what, what I did at Salford when we all went on? I sported a couple of black players in the in the team and said, and there was about five or six of us except mm. Callum Watkins, somebody else, and we said like. Do you want to explain to us like what, what you guys go through? Because it's something I could never understand and I wanted to empathise with them and have a conversation about it. And we kind of all decided afterwards mm. that we would take an knee in support of our brother. But what saying is if their opinion was divided, then where do you go as a white guy? But the thing is, it's, it's, just, it's just us learning, yeah. do you know what I mean, and taking it. And if, if, if you then feel like it's not for you, it's not for you. Mm. But sometimes we a lot of these decisions are based on people above. Because mm. I know when stuff were going on, decisions were made. We're not doing this because it's going to upset the crowd and the sponsors are not doing it. I know there's so much of that going on. Mm. Mm. And because and, and I work at, a, you know, I do a lot of stuff with the uh, Jamaican Rugby League team. Yeah. So I know that stuff goes on all the time. Some of the comments, I mean, you've been reading comments about just some of the remarks you, you've been making and, 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 and the reaction to that. Some of the stuff, like, off the back of that, mm. it's Neanderthal. Like, yeah, it, yeah. The, some people, I just live it. And it, it's always going to be like that because you yeah, you're never going to affect everybody. But for me, it's just like, educate ourselves. And if then you decide, actually, it's not for me, I support you. You know, because even if you don't want to take the knee, well, at least you can show some solidarity with, or come out and just say, well, look, I, do, I don't even fully understand it. Mm. I'd prefer people say, I've, I don't fully understand it because I've never been through yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then when I, when I do, maybe I'll make a different decision. Yeah. I, think a big, I, mean? I think a big, sorry, sorry John. What, yeah, go on, go on, go on. Why, why is it so difficult to talk about it? What, what, because what is it that makes it, you know, it, it's something that I feel like we, we skirt around it so much. Yeah. Talking about race, talking about, you know, um, you know LGBTQ, whatever the, whatever the rights are, we're so scared of talking about it. But that's part which, of the problem. But I get, I get asked to speak about something and I get almost like a warning about how I speak about it. And I think it just, it, I'm really curious as to why it's such a touchy subject. Yeah. Why is it so touchy? Well, we're because we're really because we, about it now. I know, but because we don't like change. Lots of people don't like change. Yeah. You know, I, I, over, over the years, we all develop and we, you know, some are a bit further on than, than others, but the reality is we can be stuck in our own ways and we, mm -hmm. we, can, we can have our own bias, you know, in lots of, or, or ignorance. I think a lot of it is, is ignorance. Um, but I, I would prefer... Actually, you know, let's let's sit in a room. Let's talk about it. You know, what what why why is it a problem? You know, I've I've had I've had stuff with like 
like some of my some of my um, mates saying, well, you know, those lads there, like, if they get pulled over the police, why why don't they just like get out the why don't you just get out of the car and be normal? I've heard that before. And I, and I'm like, my mind's blown. I'm thinking, that's all right yeah. if it happened once every blue moon. Mm. Yeah. But the reality is, it's happening every day. Because and if you were going to yeah. work or going somewhere every day and you were getting pulled out over for the same stuff... Some of my black mates have been pulled out of cars yeah. at gunpoint. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, we've had Ricardo Dos Santos this week. He has a British athlete, exactly. Yeah, second, second time very recently, very publicly. Yeah. And I listened to um, radio station LBC <clears> and like the contrast in how they reported it is like lack of sympathy, almost accusational about... Ricardo's behaviour from one person, then the next was sort of empathetic, trying to understand. And you could almost see how polarised the opinion was. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I don't think it's a polarised debate. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel like we're dragged to the ends by people, but it's not a polarising debate. That's why no. I don't feel it should be touchy subjects. When people say things like this are a touchy subject, I can't get my head around. I don't even know what you mean by that. But what it's people because people don't don't talk and they don't understand then because they get we all get a, we you will get a view wherever you sit. You will see things from where you yeah. you know one of my mates who lives in a leafy suburb drives a nice Range Rover made a comment and why don't he just why don't he yeah. just get out and be normal? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking. I know what you'd be like <laughs> yeah. if you were pulled over every day. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Just yeah. even the inconvenience of it. Yeah, yeah. But but just like. Because I've, I've been there. I mm. get it. I still get it now. I, 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 I live a very privileged life in so many different ways. But I get stuff now that I know lots of other people don't get. Mm. You know, I could, I could, I could, you know, we're going down something now. But yeah. I could tell you stuff, like, all the time. That yeah. happens to me, depending on where I am. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm like you. Like, yeah, yeah. If, if, if. If, if you want to learn, if you want to move on, like, there's no reason why you can't sit, you yeah. know, in, in, in a discussion. And, and just mm. like, so sometimes I want to be challenged because some of my thinking on certain things, mm. it's not right. I'm not saying I'm mm. right in everything or, but there's certain things that I understand better because I've experienced it. And by talking about it, you know, people that haven't been through it, well, then just, just, just get it a bit more. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. see why, why... This is why it means so much, because mm. what happened in America is happening all the time mm. around where I am and with people that I know. And the only reason why it's happening around those areas is because they're black. Mm. <laughs> yeah. do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. So the stats, the stats are there. Yeah. You're, you're eight or nine times more likely to be pulled over. You're a black person. So, you know, it's one of those. Um, you know, you, you could go on and on and on yeah yeah you know whether it's race again all yeah, these different yeah, yeah. things no, and it should go on and on and on that's the whole point isn't it the conversation shouldn't just stop and yeah. i think that's the fear with stopping kneeling in other sports and so on is that oh we've done it okay yeah. we've we fixed it we have it but it has to come from but it has to come from the top for me yeah. well this is just finally on that and I, I, I don't i don't want to do this this part of the conversation any disservice by shortening it but there's so much more <laughs> I, I want to talk to you about but just finally on are you that, making it awkward now you're making it where we can't, <laughs> well you're doing white man shuts down racist conversation <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly yeah no but um in all seriousness just finally with your business head on as well um we talked about the Rooney Rule in the NFL in America and so on. And, you know, football has the same issue over here with, you know, I've spoken to Paul Lintz about this many times and 
interviews that they're not getting and so on. You, you made a good point there, Robert, where you said, you know, even back then in the early 90s, having suffered this abuse, there was no one to talk to, white or black, but particularly there was no one black on the board or there was no one black in a position of power or management. You know, the Rooney rule for you should, having been a coach, inverted commas at sale as well, should, should that apply for, for, for coaches and in the management structure of sports clubs today? Well, what, what are the stats on that? How many, how many if, you, if you look at how many successful black athletes there have been, mm. and then you look at all the governing bodies and who's running it mm. and who sits on the board, how many black people are in there? Mm. Very few. How many black people sit on any board? I think, is it three? I think there's three in, in, in all the sporting, mm. all the governing bodies, football, cricket, tennis, all kinds of stuff. I think there might be three, possibly mm. four. I mean, that, that's ludicrous. Like, for me, it's... it's yeah. a, big, a big challenge is, like, there's, there's biases and, and there's racism for sure, but a big challenge is just <coughs> sheer volume of, of numbers sometimes, Jason. I, I feel like... You know, if you look at any population, there's like, um, it's like a bell curve, isn't it? And the, you know, maybe the lower limbs are like lower achieving and the upper limbs are upper yeah. achieving. But when the numbers are only marginally different, that length at which those higher achieving limbs go is actually, you know, it could be 10 to one at that stage, do you know? So it makes it, by the time you get down to like a board where cronyism exists, you know, where, you know, people recruit in the vision of themselves anyway, it's just so difficult for. But that, but that's where the stumbling block is because I could go on my, my yeah. diversity and quality and, and inclusion and everything else, and that and that's part of where the problem is. Yeah. Because actually, every sporting organisation is looking to attract numbers, communities, blah de blah de blah. Well, hang on a minute. How how are you going to understand? You know, trying to attract either Asian people into it, black people into it. How would you ever know like, yeah. what to do? You know, how, some of the barriers, again, like, mm. you know, want more girls in sport, but, you know, lots of Asian girls, because of religious beliefs and stuff, can't do certain things. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to understand what some of those barriers are, but if, if you want to try and get more people in, I know we've got it at sale. If, you've got, if you're trying to go into Manchester and Salford and, like, we, we've got to understand who we're going into... Who yeah, we're trying yeah. to bring in? Because mm -hmm. if you're from certain, if you're from Withenshaw or Moss Side, why on earth would you want to go there? Do, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, how, yeah. What, how, how can I, you know, what, what's tangible there for me? Yeah, Nothing yeah. is completely yeah. different. So, so we have to understand, right? Some of the people that I, I was one of those kids. Yeah, yeah. And this is yeah. where my, I look at my journey and, and this is why I'm, like, I go into schools now and I'm really passionate about it because if I came from like, one of the worst or most deprived areas and have turned out to be one of the most successful, not just in one sport, but two sports. How many more of you are there? To Captain England, yeah. the only man in the Northern Hemisphere to score a try in a World Cup final. Like, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if I somehow manage to do it in two different sports, how many more people? Yeah. How many more people? How good could our sports be if unearthed, we go unearthed into... Unearthed gems. Yeah. 
do you know what I mean? But, yeah. but unless we understand, do you know what I mean? How do we engage with some of those? Yeah. How do we? Minute we would look at you and think you are an absolute freak mm. in what you've done. But what you're saying is actually you might not be as freakish in your talent as you what got, we you think. You're just luckier than all the other kids no, that not, have not, had that same yeah, yeah, Just, to, just but, to get over those obstacles. Yeah, there's, the, the, the potential, unlocked potential of people in this country is huge. And we just have no fucking idea how to yeah. unlock it. Look, it would be silly not to have this part of the conversation here and then to, to revisit it. But on that subject, 2004, you were made the first black captain of the English rugby union side. And it wasn't recognised, was it, at the time at all? Nothing was done about it. I, th I think you, did you tweet during, was it during the pandemic? You, tweet, you put a tweet out in the RFU, said, yeah, look, you, you should be, you know, um, that something should be made of this and should have done at the time and they apologised for it. But at the time, it, was, it, was, it wasn't even mentioned. That you know something, it's a, it's a bizarre thing because, like, I, I don't need the praise. Do you know what I mean? I didn't play because I wanted the praise. I played because no. I loved the But this the game. isn't about you, but, is it? But I went, I, I went on and, and I, very, I don't go on podcasts. Right, so this says the man sat on the podcast. <laughs> no, but but this this, this is, is very yeah. few that, yeah, yeah. that I, you know it's only because you're good guys anyway. <laughs> um, but I went on one, and it's one of those. Sometimes you don't know what you're gonna, what's gonna come up, and blah blah. blah. And we're talking about England and everything else. And I'd been looking at, um, you know, black players that played for England before and stuff like that. And and I and I was the first black captain, and I was I was I was on the computer one day, and I was looking at. Um, captains and everything else and you can like you look at the technology now you can go on google and you can get instructions to build a skyscraper it's it's like you can you yeah, can yeah. find out the most like every detail you want you yeah, can do yeah, anything yeah. can't you yeah, yeah yeah and i'm thinking here i am like as the first of a black captain of england rugby union like one of the most successful players in rugby union and it's not even on google mm. Mm -hmm. And it, and it wasn't the fact that I wanted it to be on Google so everybody could say, oh, look at him. He's a, do you know what I mean? It was just the fact of how could I have done all that for England rugby, yet it doesn't even turn up on a huge search engine. It's like... No. But do you know what I was thinking? You know, when you were saying, we were going back slightly, you said the criticism about your skin colour stopped. Oh, I didn't stop. It just became less frequent. And then when you're speaking there... Did your talent surpass your skin colour? As in, was that, it was almost not part of the conversation anymore. You'd gone beyond it. Because he was too good. You, you were that yeah. good, Jason. Did you get beyond you, it? You know what, you know what I think gone? it was, to be fair, and it, was, it wasn't to do with that, because there was, there was sort of bigger talents than me, but it stopped when I went to Rugby Union. Right. It stopped when I went to Rugby Union. Because at least to your face. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll it'll never stop, you know, no. in that respect. But it then became quite different for me, um, and on, you know, to get in all ins and outs of all that, you know, we'd go off on another yeah. rabbit hole. You but, said we could do three hours, so we're going to keep you here. For I know. <laughs> no, but you know something? It's, it's, it's good just to like talk, because sometimes, you know, we go through so many things in your career, and you can't always pinpoint it to certain no. things, or you don't even think about when did that stop, or, what, you know. No. And, it, and it's good now just to try and 
I don't know, jog the memory and kind of find out, you know, mm. what was the change? And, yeah. and I think part of it was, obviously, as you get better and you do what you do, and there, there is more respect for you, and mm -hmm. you, you, you can be treated a lot differently, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's... Was it Clive Sullivan that was the first black yeah. captain of Great yeah. Britain and yeah. any, uh, any British sports team? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's always been celebrated in our game, I've noticed. Mm. So it's interesting that you say that, that the equivalent in rugby union hasn't, hasn't had any recognition whatsoever. Has it always been celebrated? Or has it been yeah, I, don't, I don't think it has George, been celebrated. George Floyd. Do you not think? No. I, I, I've heard that. I've heard no, that, that quite a few more times. More recently. Maybe yeah. more recently. More recently because there's been a sort of anniversaries and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Um, but it's... Cause it's yeah. some, I, I'm not much of a stat man, but I'd always known, heard his name and I knew that was one of the big facts about him was it in the, the, the 60s or something he yeah was oh phenomenal <laughs>Well, that was it for part one of our chat with the brilliant Jason Robinson. I'm sure you'll agree he was absolutely fantastic. So you've got another hour of Jason coming your way next week. Do not miss that. Give us a review as well, if you don't mind, at uh, Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And give us a little follow as well on Twitter, at Out of Your RL. See you next time.